Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. First Chronicles chapter number 21, verse number 8. When I said Chronicles, some of you went, oh no. If you found that, shout amen for me. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. The Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee. Either three years famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtaketh thee, or else three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence. In the land and the angel of the Lord destroy, destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore, here's what I'm preaching on today, advise thyself. What word shall I bring again to him that sent me? Father, I love you, and I thank you for this day, Lord, and for the chance to be behind this desk on this ground once again. And I can't do it without you, Lord. God, I pray you'd fill my mouth and guard my tongue and preach me with accuracy inside the holy writ. And God, that's, it's been a real good week. I'm asking for make this a... Real good day. Save someone. Draw someone out this morning, God. Let them advise themselves. Lord, use this word for your sake. And I'll praise you for everything you do and that you've done. And ask it in my king's name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. I want to try to preach on that thought. God gave me this two weeks ago. I have not been able to develop it. Uh, and what I've got on this, I got early in the morning hours. Advise thyself. Think about what you want me to do, David. We see in this passage of Scripture, you'll find this over in Second Samuel chapter number 24 as well. And the reading's just a little bit different. The accounts are a little bit different in Samuel than it is here in Chronicles. Uh, yeah, uh, that... You know that, that Chronicles is written on, a, on God's perspective. It's from the thought of God. There's not much of the nation of Israel dealt with in this. It's Judah mainly. And it's that because they turned, the northern ten tribes turned from God. And Judah and Benjamin and, and the Levites, you'll find where the Levites forsook most of Israel and come back to Jerusalem. And, and you'll find that in the Chronicles. And, and they come back, but God's dealing with them because they continued for a hundred and 
50 years thereabout to, to continue to, to worship and serve the Lord in some fashion. They still hadn't set up false idols in Jerusalem. Now, we have David here in, in, in something that, that you'll see if you begin this chapter and you'll find, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. So you see, this is the first time you're going to see the name Satan in the Word of God. And it means the adversary, the one that comes against you, the opposer. It actually, it literally means arch enemy of goodness. That's who he is, and he is opposed. The reason God allowed him to do this, though, there was a problem in Judah. God never let sin go unpunished. You can take that to the bank. Moses said this in Numbers. He said, be sure your sin will find you out. It may not run you down today or tomorrow, but somewhere down the road toward the end of the line, you're going to come face to face with that. I'm saying if it's unconfessed and not put under the blood, you're going to face that sin. We have the option that they didn't have. They'd bring an animal, but it didn't make it go away, Seth. It just put it off for a little while. But we have the ability to come to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need and have our sin removed, praise God. We see in verse 9, we see the enemy. Then we see this. The word provoked there means to entice. So he enticed David. So we see Satan, he is the enemy, and, 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 and then we see the enticing, and that is the sin. We're not going to go very far into this story. You're going to find this in either of the ch chapters in Samuel 24 or here in Chronicles 21. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find the effect of that sin. Sin always brings sorrow. It'll bring it every time. Sin will bring sorrow. It, not, it, it doesn't matter from the preacher to the, to the youngest kid that's been saved to the grandpa or grandma, whoever it is. Sin in the camp brings sorrow every time. Sorrow is heavy hearts. It'll do this. You won't have the praise that you once had. You won't have the joy that you had. The love, the peace, the joy is diminished. And all you'll have, you'll be broken hearted. Your head will be down. There won't be no worship. There won't be no enthusiasm at the house of God. Sorrow brings us down. But something that, 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 the, that the Lord gave me this morning. I thought maybe that's going to be my message. Well, I'll preach on the enemy. I'll preach on the enticement. Or I'll preach on the effect of it that it had not only on David, but all of those around him. Uh, here's what the Lord gave me this morning. I guess I think in alliteration because he always speaks to me in, in that way. But I want us to consider this morning, I want us to consider the desire that had to be laid in the heart of David or he could have never been enticed in the first place. You can never be enticed with something that you don't possess 
or have a feeling for or a desire for. You'll never be enticed. There's certain things that, that, that there's no way the devil could ever entice me, but then there's other things I have to be careful with because that's the very thing he can entice me with. Oh, no halos. No halos. First Corinthians, people say this. This is wrong, but this is what they say. God told me he would never put on me anymore and I can bear. He never said that. That's not what he said. He said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. But God is faithful in that he will make a way of escape. In other words, even when he entices us, when the, he allows the enemy to come into the camp, and oftentimes we just open the door for the enemy ourselves. Come on in and spend some time with me. That's why Paul said, don't give no place to the devil. You give him a place, he'll come right in. You open a door, you speak that thing. That's why death and life are in the power of the tongue. You speak that thing. Listen, he'll kill you, your house, your work, your ministry, everything about you. You open the door, he'll step right in the door. But if that desire is not there, you won't speak of that thing. You don't talk about things yet. We talk about things we like or enjoy. You can't entice us with something we hate. If the devil has come to me and say, Mark McCoy, I'm going to entice you with working in a tobacco field for another 10 years, I'd go, no. Been there, done that, hate it. You can't entice me with that. How can he do that to people? Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us, For the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? Your own heart can deceive you. We deceive ourselves. You stay with me. I'm still preaching whether you're amening or not. We see David's desire. And because the desire was there, David could be enticed. Number two, we see this concerning David. In this story, we see his decision to do it even though his friend reproved him for it. Joab says, Joab's wrong a lot of times, but this time Joab's right. Joab said, David, you don't need to number the people. All these people are of God. These are God's people. Look here, if God needs to raise up more, he'll do it. You don't need to number them. That's why I don't count people anymore. I read this passage. God began to commit me of it. Pat said, when you come out of the... I used to go walk laps in the fellowship hall, which was a gym back then, and I, I, I walked laps and prayed the whole time Sunday school was going on. And I'd come out and I'd look at the board. Pat said, if that number in Sunday school is under 200, he, she said, your entire countenance changes. She said, I've watched you. Boy, that bothered me. I got thinking about that, Brother Mark, and she was right. And I said, you know what I'll do? We just won't count them no more. I'll let God count them. 
That's not my job. My job's not to count them. My job's to feed them. His job is to count them. There's a, and I learned something like, uh, the, in study of this that's going to help you in just a minute. See, we make decisions every day that they may not be the best thing we ever thought about doing. Two times in Proverbs, we find this in, in chapter 14 and chapter 16, two times, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. What could be wrong with counting these people and knowing how many we had? Obviously, David thought nothing wrong with that. I'll just count them anyway. Joab's saying, don't count them. I'm going to do it. You ever give anybody some advice and you knew what you was giving them was right and as soon as you said it, you knew they weren't going to take it. Yeah, all of us have been kids at one time. Mom, dad gave you good advice and you thought, they don't know nothing. And then you live another 10 years. And you think, my word, they were blooming geniuses. How did they know that? How did they know? You know why they knew? They've been where you've been. But at the time, that decision seems like the very thing. That, I'll just do this. That's got to be good. I need to know how many we got. And that way wasn't the way of God. Now, Samuel, you won't find this in this particular passage. But in Samuel, 2 Samuel 24, you're going to find this. This thing took nine months and, and, and some days to take place. Well, what's that, what does that mean, preacher? That means he had nine months to change his mind. For nine months, he could have stopped this thing at any moment, and it would have been okay. But he had pulled the trigger, and he's just going to let her roll. And then here comes, here, here's, here's what happens. The desire, the decision to proceed. God's throwed stop signs up and pokes people's face. You knew what you're about to do goes directly against the word of God. It's directly against that book and you're going to do it anyway. Well, here's what happens. Death. Death. You see, the desire can't be enticed with something you don't desire. No way. And even when we've been enticed with that thing, if we'll, if we'll think about it before we do it or open our mouth or say it, sometimes our decision will make a better decision. Still with me? This is like pulling molars in here this morning. <laughs> I just come out of hallelujah land and I'm telling you. And then the decision leads to death. For the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now God gives David three choices right here. Three. Now, here's what we think. Or I would have thought. When I've read this for years. 
And it just made sense to me. Well, nobody wants three years of famine. That's too long. Why in the world would you want? Listen, uh, we're, we're not going to take three, this, all this three months of war. We're not going to do that. What about this? What about just three days of pestilence? Well, you know what? Three days has got to be better than three years. Or three days has got to be better than three months. No. Three days was the most severe thing that could happen. For three years, had it been famine, it would have never touched the wealthy. They'd have had stockpiles. In Revelation, he said, don't hurt the oil and the wine. That's a sign that there's going to be prosperity and they'll never be affected. The Saudis, the crown prince. We think on, we think on community standards as Crossville, Tennessee, God's looking on the globe. So three years is never going to touch the, the, the wealthy people. They got a stockpile. That three, hey, look, three months of war, if it's war, it's only going to affect the army. The soldiers are going to be the one that die. If it's just three, if it's, if it's war, it's not for, look, certainly the wealthy's not going to be touched, but the soldiers will be touched. But if it's three days of pestilence, it's like COVID. And it don't care where you live, what you own, or how stout you are, it'll come to where you're at and find you. Run you down. Now, what's all that about, preacher? I'm about to wrap this thing up in five minutes right here. I've looked at this for years. I've preached all over it. Generally, I skip this part and just go straight for the threshing floor because that's where the sacrifice is going to be made. Temple's going to be built. It just That's just a lot better preaching. Just go straight to there. Skip all this part about death and him making bad decisions and three years, three months, or three days and the pestilence or the sword of the Lord's going to come against them and all this stuff and why in the world, what's the big deal? And God considers this... God don't even list David's sin with Bathsheba in the Chronicles, which shows from his perspective that this is far greater sin than what he caused with Bathsheba. And with Bathsheba, he has five people die, his baby, Uriah, and three sons. And I found that interesting. That's the number of grace. He has three people die according to that sin. It's not even listed. But with this sin, 70,000 die. Seventy thousand. In Exodus thirty and twelve. You can read it when you get home. Because I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, When you number the people, when you take a census, it requires a ransom for every man. If you number them, every man has to give a ransom to be counted. No ransom, no counting. No counting, not mine. You're going to be counted into the, into the family of God 
You're going to be counted into one of the 12 tribes. Here's what it's going to require. And by the way, nobody counted the Levites but God because they was his. That was his. And then he was their reward or their, their, their blessing. So here we go. No census or census, no ransom, not counted. That don't make no sense, preacher. Second Timothy 2, 5, and 6. For there's one God and one mediator between God and, and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who what? Who gave himself a ransom for all. Who gave himself a ransom for all. What does that mean, preacher? That means I can be counted in the family of God because they've been a ransom given for me. I couldn't give a ransom. These guys never gave a ransom. They couldn't really be counted, but we can be counted because somebody gave a ransom for everyone that would believe us. That'd be me. I can be counted in the family today because the ransom's been given. So that's pretty rough. The sword came to all, or to 70,000, to a large number proportionately. Well, I'm telling you, death comes to all. Death comes to all. But the ransom been given. But if you've not accepted the ransom, listen, here's what it is. Take the payment or pay the price. And the preacher said to David that day, now advise yourself. Advise which one you going to take? You advise yourself which one you want to take. I don't think I need to ransom. You're in trouble. Advise yourself. Well, this don't sound too bad to me. I'm doing pretty good right now. Hey, everybody was doing good right then. It was a time of stillness. You preached my message this morning, Sunday school. It was a time of calm. David's enemies had laid down. David was faring well. He had served well. He had done well. He had prospered in the kingdom. The kingdom had prospered under him. Every time somebody raised their head up, he'd go cut it off. Listen, you didn't mess with David. God was with him. And, 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 and all of that. When he had more than he needed and there's nobody left to fight. He was his own worst enemy. That's why the prophet said, now advise yourself. Advise yourself. Where do you stand with God this morning? Oh, you can come in here and look pretty and all you want to. But I'm telling you, the difference... The difference is when altars are full. I got called to West Virginia last week. I went up there and preached for them hillbillies. Isaiah Hatfield. Hatfield McCoys. They, was, they rubbed it. They sung it. They played that all week. Said we got to Pastor Hatfield and Evangelist McCoy. And when I come to that place... Pastor said, we're ready for revival. Well, I hear that a lot. We're ready for revival. That's good. And then I can't find the message to preach. 
something wrong. And I just stab at it in the dark. I just grab a message. I mean, hey, what are you going to do? They called you to preach. You got to preach. But you're not, it's not burning in your soul. He called me, and I knew what I was preaching immediately. He said, we're ready for revival. And I hadn't more than got behind the desk, and I knew they were. And one young man was saved during the singing. I mean, the choir was singing. This boy come forward, got saved. The altars were full every night. Didn't have a thing to do with me. Not one thing. You know why is that way? They wanted it. They'd advised their self. So there's this one fellow come to me after service was over. He hugged my neck. And he's weeping. And he said, preacher, he said, I come in here Monday night. And he said, I just come out of obligation. He said, I just come. He said, I've been going through the motion for a long time. He said, but you got to preaching on that smitten rock on Tuesday night. And he said, I got a drink of water. And he said, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not dry anymore. He said, God done something for me. He said, I'm, I'm glad I got to come to church the rest of the week. I mean, he's shouting and carrying on. The tears are rolling. The joy's there. He said, I got a drink. And it helped me, preacher. You helped me. And you know what I need to hear, Gordon? That I helped somebody. God sent a message. I begged Friday night. I begged for 15 minutes, I guess, in an invitation. I've not done that in years. Begged for 15 minutes on an old white-headed man sitting about where Brother John sat. Two or three different people come. And it's a big church. Two or three different people come out of the congregation, would filter their way around the back, and I could see where they were going. They were headed to him. And they was putting their arm around him. And his face was as red as that handkerchief. And tears in his eyes. And they're putting their arms around him. His wife is waving her arms. Comes to an altar. When I seen her break out. Come to the altar. I thought. Oh done deal right here. He's a coming. Never budged. You know what I thought? I'm trying to think on this message the whole time. It's not working. It's not coming. I thought he advised himself the wrong way. He advised himself the wrong way. You know what we do when we come to church? We hear the songs, we hear the preaching, we turn the preaching off. We turn it off. You know what God says? Advise yourself. What are you going to do with it? Something? Nothing? I ain't doing nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with me. You know why God loved David? I pray, God, make me this way. Help Mike McCoy be like David. I mess up like David. I do stupid stuff. Listen, 
You know why I want to be like David? You know what David said? You'll find it in the Word of God. David said, I've sinned again, Lord. I've done it again. God, what am I going to do? And my sin's going to cost a lot of people their lives. David said, don't hurt the sheep, Lord. Just take it out on me. There's a reason that he slew them. We ain't getting into all that, but God never does judgment unjustly. There's a reason. These people had it coming all along. Would you advise yourself? As we stand and bow our heads, she's going to play something on the piano. God's speaking to you this morning. How long's it been since you've been to an altar of prayer inside a service where people could see you come and pray? And they know. And you know. And God knows. And he says, tell them, preacher, to advise themselves. Do you think us preachers are always walking the tightrope and shouting hallelujah, glory to God? I'm telling you, we need to advise ourselves more than anyone else. Help me, God. Help me. Are you coming this morning? Lost friend. Haven't you stood in this church long enough? You don't want to die. God, listen, you are accountable to God right now. You've heard the truth. Jesus said, repent or perish. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary that we could be saved. Jesus went to the tomb and was buried and rose again the third day to show the world they opened the tomb that he wasn't there. And 40 days later, he ascends to the Father. He's making intercession for you if you'll come and receive him. Take the ransom that he's given. Because you can't provide your own ransom. Yours will only bring death. His brings eternal life. You know that song, Marcus, Almost Persuaded? Because that's just, that's just how it is. Service after service. Time after time. We're almost persuaded. You need to come this morning. Advise yourself what you need to do. I pray that it's the right advice. Sing it for us, brother. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the time of truth.